Good morning, church. Good morning. I have a friend that uh, teaches worship seminars, and I was at one, and at the beginning of the seminar, he said, uh, I just want you to know that I wear my belt buckle on my side, not because I'm anti-establishment, but because I have a very expensive guitar and I don't want to scratch it. Apparently that belt buckle was a distraction to some people. I want you to notice my tie this morning. It doesn't quite go with my suit. So I want to tell you about it so you won't be distracted. Sarah and Bart, Sarah, my daughter, and Bart were visiting from Europe, and his parents came to visit us as well. And they are from the Netherlands. And this, they gave me this tie, and it is the, royal, the colors of the royal family in Denmark from the House of Orange. And I just was very touched, and I felt like I really wanted to honor them. And so I'm wearing it this morning, even though I had a tie that goes better with this suit. So now that we cannot be distracted by the tie or the belt buckle, uh, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We thank you for life, even though some days I'm not so sure. I give you thanks for life. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. We welcome your Holy Spirit to come into our presence and to touch us at our point of need. And we look to you and to none other. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about biblical prosperity. And as I like to refer to it, living the abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And as we've already showed from scripture, abundance is not something Christians should seek. It's the byproduct of God's blessings as we seek to please him. And our God has promised that he will abundantly provide for our needs. So our focus does not and should not be on things. Our focus should be on being Jesus to other people. Being Jesus with skin on, as some people refer to it. We defined abundance as having... Wait a second, sorry about that. We have defined abundance as having enough to be able to give to the needs of others and still meet our own needs. However, this does not refer just to finances or things or material needs. God has given us enough joy to share with others. God has given us enough peace to share with others. God has given us enough confidence to share with others in time of testing. On and on. It's the whole life. Jesus didn't say, I came to give you money. Jesus didn't say, I came to give you the American dream. Jesus said, I came to give you life abundantly. And that includes all of the aspects of our life. And, we, and I want to keep that in mind as we go through um, uh, this message this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Let me read that again. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you see the reason? Do you see the reason for abundant life? It's so that you will have enough for every good work. So you will have what you need to do, what God has called and ordained for you to do. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Notice God doesn't give us a lot of abundance just for ourselves. He gives it to us to give away so that it will bring glory to him. So that people will say, there's something different about that person. They're not concerned about it. It's like, it's like the, the, the lady who had just a little bit of flour and even less oil. And she willingly shared with the prophet something different about that person. Most people wouldn't do that in the world. And not only do you do that, but you do that cheerfully, willingly, not worried about your outcome, your end, because you have something that they don't have. And that brings them to seek what is different about you. And it ends up bringing glory to their thanksgiving to God. Now in these verses, if we look back, we see that first of all, stewardship is a matter of doing it. Verse 6. Remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who sows generously will reap generously. So it's a matter of doing it. It's a matter of being good stewards, of, of taking what God has given us and distributing it to others in need. Second, we see that stewardship is a matter of the heart in verse 7. Each man should give as he, as he has decided in his heart to give. You know, when I was uh, much younger, and we were first, not, well, we were a little bit married. Well, you're all married, but I mean, it was a little bit of time after we were married. We had two or three children, and finances were really, really tight. I refer to that, I was a public servant at that time. I refer to it as being a public slave. And his finances were really tight, and, you know, it was like, it really was stealing from Peter this month to pay Paul and then stealing from Paul the next month to pay Peter. And um, I was stingy. I didn't have enough to go around. And I did not tithe. Now, this isn't about tithing. This is about the heart. But somewhere, somehow along the line, I decided, you know what? What I have is God's. And, and, and I should give some of that to his work, because that's what he put me here to do, was work for him. Since, uh, since then, things have got slowly better. And yes, there have been challenges in between. 
but I've never been homeless. I can't remember a day I went hungry if it wasn't by choice. And over time, God has increased and increased and blessed me. And I don't, and I have to say, I don't deserve it. I don't even think I'm a great steward of what God gives me. I don't make always wise decisions with what God gives me. And still, God continues and has continued to bless me, and I can't figure out why except He loves me. It's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of giving to get. I didn't give to God to get. I didn't expect to get. But I did get. It's a matter of the heart. And then we see that stewardship is a matter of God's faithfulness to his word in verses 8 and following. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all you need, not having what you need, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As we began to dissect abundance last time, we discussed three mindsets or lenses. The first was the lens of scarcity. If we view life through the lens of scarcity, we will always be fearful, anxious, stingy, and greedy. Boy, that sure describes me way back when. The scarcity mindset revolves around the idea that there simply isn't enough to go around. I don't know, I'm not sure I got the story right, I don't know if it's true or not, but there was a person that uh, was here, went to uh, Cosm here, wanted to start a business, went to get a loan, didn't have any collateral, needed to buy the property and the the building, and so he told the banker, I have a rich uncle who owns uh, uh, all the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold under under that. And why the banker did not tell him to go to the uncle, I don't know. But he got the loan and he started the business and he's still in business today. He did not have a scarcity mindset. He didn't think there was not enough to go around. He knew that God had all and more. The second was the lens of abundance. The abundance mindset, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner personal sense of worth and security. Today, I'm not concerned about what I have or don't have because I am rooted in the knowledge that God loves me. I am rooted in the understanding that God is faithful to his word. God cannot lie. I put those things together and I know God has me in the palm of his hands and he has promised to care for me and take care of me not just enough to get by, but abundantly. He promised me abundant life. That's what Jesus died for. The lens of abundance allows us to be giving and charitable. And in God's economy, it's not what I have today. In God's economy, scarcity can become abundance when we believe what God says and act accordingly. The third lens is actually part of a lens that, or lenses that make up the abundant mindset. 
and it's the lens of stewardship and that's really what I want to talk about today. Stewardship is the conducting, supervising, careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care, the dictionary tells us. It's obvious that everything we own comes from God. Therefore, it belongs to God. And he has made us stewards of everything that he has given. It's not ours to do with as we will, but it is God that has entrusted to us, it to, us to carefully manage and invest his, in his kingdom according to his will. Charles Stanley tells the following testimony. And I quote, years ago, God led us to purchase property for the expansion of First Baptist Atlanta. We began to pray that he would provide the funds we needed. I also specifically pr prayed specifically that he would show me what he wanted me to give. I had given financially, but since there was something more that he was requiring. It wasn't long before he began to impress on me giving up my camera equipment for the building fund. I love photography. It is my favorite hobby. However, God's conviction was strong and to the point, there was no way I wanted to avoid making the right decision. I knew that my obedience would lead to blessing. If he wanted my cameras, I wanted to give them to him. After all, he owned them anyway. A few days later, I sold the, my equipment and gave the money to the building fund. Many of the other members of our congregation also gave personal possessions and treasure. It was a great time in our fellowship for seeking God's will with our finances and allowing him to prove his faithfulness to each one of us. When it came time to sign the paperwork for a new property, we had the money we needed and did not have to borrow a single, a single copper penny. Several months later, a woman rang my doorbell. When I opened it, I noticed she had two very large shopping bags. She asked, are you Charles Stanley? I didn't know what to think. But I replied, yes, I am. Then she said, this is for you. She set the bags down and turned and walked away. I looked inside of one of them and immediately recognized my camera equipment. God had returned every lens and every camera body to me. Is this the way he works? I believe it is. You see, the, <clears throat> the biblical doctrine of stewardship defines man's relationship with God. Now God is, does it, God's not obsessed with us, with the things we have. And we shouldn't be either. But our stewardship isn't about just doing good for my family. Stewardship is about managing what God has given, entrusted to me. Everything. Not just my camera equipment. Not just my things. What about my time? What about time for prayer? Time for Bible study? What about taking time out of my busy schedule to stop and help somebody in need? To tell somebody that I bump into that Jesus loves you. Do you know my friend Jesus? May I introduce you to my friend Jesus? He will change your life forever, for the better. He will lead you into abundant life. 
He will forgive your sins and remember them no more. I don't know what's more abundant than, than forgiveness. I, w- I will say this. I think it's harder for man in the world <clears throat> and women to forgive than it is for them to give money. I think I, I really believe that. And a lot of times they say they forgive you so you won't hassle them about it. But they really haven't forgiven you. This is how I look at it, or this is how I interpret it. Jesus said, or, or, some, or the apostle asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive somebody? And Jesus said 70 times 7. Now, how can that happen? How can there be the second time if in f- forgiving the first time you give them permission to do it to you again? Someone once said, whatever, do, do, do it to me once, shame on you do it to me twice, shame on me. That's not from the Bible. That's not scriptural. What, it's, what the scripture teaches is that if we forgive, we give them opportunity, permission to fail again and again and again and still not hold it against their account. I'm so glad that's how God treats me. I have failed so many times at the same things. And still, every time, God forgives me and gives me another opportunity to get it right, no matter how many times I get it wrong. The biblical doctrine of stewardship defines man's relationship to God. It identifies God as owner and man as manager. God makes man his co-worker. In Genesis 1.1 it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. As the creator, therefore, God has absolute right of ownership over everything he created. It's his. And, then, and so this is the first principle of stewardship, is ownership. Understanding who owns what you have. I don't own what I have. God owns it. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God owns everything. We are simply managers or administrators on his behalf. A second principle of stewardship, then, is the principle of responsibility. We are called, as God's stewards, to manage what belongs to God. While God has graciously entrusted us with the care, development, and enjoyment of everything he owns As stewards, we are responsible to manage his holdings according to his desires and his will and for the good of his kingdom. Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 46 says, And the Lord said, Who then is faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and belongs and begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come one day when he does not expect him, at an hour he does not know, and cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. As God's ambassadors, 
We are dispensers of God's love, his goodness, his grace, his riches, all that he has. We can freely give, but responsibly according to God's will and the leading of the Holy Spirit, because in God's economy, scarcity becomes abundance. God doesn't want us to take what he's entrusted to us and hide it and use it all just on ourselves. More importantly, God doesn't want us to take the time he's given us in this life and squander it for our own personal joy. I often asked myself when I was first saved, how come when we're saved we just don't straight go to heaven? Sure would be easier. It's because God entrusted the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and salvation to us. He didn't entrust it to the angels. He didn't stay on earth to do the job himself. He entrusted it to us. Another principle of stewardship is the principle of accountability. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Now this guy was a wise steward of what, or this guy was a wise steward of what he had. He didn't give the most to the person who had the least ability and experience. He gave them the least. He gave most to those that had the most ability and experience. To when he, uh, then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had the two talents made two more talents, but he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, thou faithful ser good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at, least, and at my coming I should have received what's my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has shall be taken away 
and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me ask you a question. What lens do you think the servant with ten talents had? I would say he had the lens of abundance. What about the servant with two talents? What lens did he have? I would say the lens of abundance. The first, the first servant doubled what he was given and returned it both to his master. The second one doubled what he was given, returned both to his master. Now, what lens do you think the third servant with the one talent had? He had the lens of scarcity. He didn't know his master very well, I would say. At least he only knew the one side of his master. You know, there are so many people both in and out of the church that know God as judge. I often think of him as, I think, as Thor who casts the lightning bolts down to strike those things and destroy that he doesn't like. But then we know the other side of God. We know his grace. We know his love and forgiveness. We know that he's for us and not against us. This master wasn't against his servants. He rewarded those who believed in his goodness. He, he rewarded them abundantly. It was only those that insisted on looking through the lens of scarcity and judgment that did not find his pleasure and his blessing. And everything that we have been given, our time, our money, our abilities, our information, our wisdom, our relationships, our authority, our calling, we are called to be good and faithful stewards. The last uh, <clears throat> principle <clears throat> or lens that we will look at today or, yeah, in stewardship is the principle of reward. The Bible teaches that faithful stewards who do the master's will with the master's resources can ex expect reward in this life and the life to come. Matthew, Mark 10, verses 28 through 30. Then Peter said to them, See all, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. When Trish and I, I, I think when we were courting and talking about marriage, uh, Trisha said, I don't really feel like I'll ever have a, a mansion in this world. But God told me that he would give me lots of friends that have very nice homes that we would be able to enjoy 
even though we didn't own them and even though we didn't have to pay for them. And that has been the truth. We have gone to Branson many times. She has friends there who are, are very um, affluent and we are always welcome into their home. And it, much nicer than any, any hotel in Branson, I want to tell you. There was a time when uh, we were renting a house and uh, the landlady decided to sell the house and we could not find another place to uh, rent. And so by the time we had to be out. And so we uh, got the permission of uh, the leadership to stay in what was still Cabin City here. We were here a week or two weeks? Two weeks and a family came to us and said, you, you can't stay here. You come live with us. You come stay in our house. You come eat our food. And then another person came along and said, I understand that you have need of a place to rent. I have a basement. And the person that's renting it is leaving it. Would you like to come and live in my basement and rent from me? And then that was wonderful. And we stayed there until we bought our first house. God blessed us. Even though there were challenges, never doubted God would take care of us. Always knew he had our back and our welfare at hand. More often than not, we think of good stewardship as how we manage our finances and our faithfulness in paying God tithes and offerings. But the scripture teaches it's much more than that. It's more than just management of our time, our possessions, our environment, and our health. Stewardship defines our practical obedience in the administration of everything under our control, which, is, which God has entrusted to us. It is a consecration of oneself and possessions to God's service. But I want to say that again. Stewardship defines our practical obedience to God in taking care of what he has. You see, I can do a lot of good things with what I have. That doesn't impress God. When I do what God asks me to do with what he has given me. That's what God is looking for. Obedience. And we said before that stewardship was a matter of the heart. And it is. And it's a matter of a heart that wants to please God and do what God asks us to do the way God asks us to do it. You remember Aaron's two sons? Going to help out. There were so many people that needed. So they go build another little altar and and, and, and start a fire, and they're going to help God out. Great idea, only problem was God didn't tell them to do it. And they offended God in that. And there was a price to pay for that. I don't doubt that they're in heaven at all, but there was a price to pay for that. God is pleased when we do what he asks us to do the way he asks us to do it. Without stewardship, we miss the abundance of life in God's kingdom. We may experience abundance in those areas of our lives that we are good stewards of God's goodness, 
but we will continue to miss out an abundance that comes from faithful stewardship, which means making Jesus Lord over all we have and all we are. Living our lives solely for God, which I can't do through myself, but I can do through Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So I think the question we face today and every day is this. Am I the Lord of my life? Or is Jesus Christ the Lord of my life? That's the question I have to answer at every decision, at every temptation, at every challenge. Am I living for me? Or am I living for God? And I know my heart, my intent is to live for God. But it seems like sometimes I forget. In the heat of the moment, I forget. And I make those not so good decisions. Well, praise God, that's what the cross is for. That when I make those not so good decisions, I can go to God and I can say, Father, I messed up. Again. Please, forgive me. And change me. And God says, my good and faithful servant. Stewardship expresses our total dependence and obedience to God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And therefore, as we've already said, stewardship becomes a matter of the heart. When we love the Lord our God with all we have and all we are, and we love others as God loves them, then we have a desire to bless others with what God graciously blesses us and made us stewards of. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. That's a true statement. But I want to tell you, Scripture goes beyond that. That's only part of it. Scripture goes beyond that and says, as born again children of God, we should love those others not only as we love ourselves, but as God loves them. God's heart aches for the lost. He paid the ultimate price that everyone could be saved. He aches for those souls. And we should too. God hurts when his children are crying and in need and, 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 and confused. And God gives us what's needed to come alongside of them, be Jesus with flesh on, and help them find the right way. All right, this then brings us to another mindset, which is the lens of not being able to outgive God. However, time is short, and we will look at that the next time I am up here, how we cannot outgive God. But for today, I leave you with the question I asked a bit earlier. Who is the Lord of your life in every decision, in every choice? The answer to that question is the key to living 
in God's economy where scarcity always becomes abundance. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're not looking to be rich for riches' sake. Lord, we're not looking to have abundant life because, because it, it, it makes life easier for us. Oh, God, we are looking to be able to accomplish all that you called us to do by using all that you have given us to do it with. We want a heart relationship with you, Father, that where your heart hurts, our heart hurts, that where your heart rejoices, our heart rejoices, that when we hear your voice, we will be quick to do it, what you're asking the way you're asking us to do it. Father, we want to be a light shining in Jefferson County, not with material wealth, but with the light of the Holy Spirit, with the light of the Word of God, being Jesus with flesh on, taking Jesus and spilling Him everywhere we go. We want to be leaky vessels that you are continually filling up. Lord, help us to grasp hold of that vision. Holy Spirit, make us continually aware of our choices and strengthen us, Lord, to be able to be obedient as we wish to be in our hearts. We want to bring you glory. We want thanksgiving to come to you for your goodness to men. We want to be the light in Jefferson County. And we thank and we praise you for it, believing in faith that you will accomplish it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.